0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 287. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Raikstra. How the hell are you, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Yourself? Nice. I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Good. Come on. I can't complain. (laughs) Uh, This week on the show, we'll be talking some Tribeca stuff. And with a review of Miguel Arteta's Duck Butter, which played the festival. This is also out in... I don't know if it's on VOD. It's definitely on limited release this week as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of what we'll be watching on the watch list, including uh, a bunch of stuff I saw at Tribeca. I'm going to cover that as well as my thoughts on the new Avengers movie, Infinity War. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. We took a week off last week because there was really nothing... Nothing going on. I was deep into Tribeca at that point, and there just really weren't too many movies released last week. So, took, took the week off. Good to be back. A little bit of housekeeping news here. Our latest Film Pulse Selects title is now available. It is a short film called Hello, Nostrand, about this, uh, this man's love for Nostrand Avenue in New York. So, check that out. That is now available. Just go to filmpulselects.com. Or you can just go to the regular site at filmpulse.net and you can see it there. It'll be on the homepage for your viewing pleasure. Uh, Also, there will not be a Ryan watches a movie this week due to Ryan's. Ryan's having some health issues. Nothing major from what I hear, but he's not able to record this week, but hopefully next week. Hopefully. It's been a while. Hopefully next week. It It has been a while. He's. He hasn't been well. He's he's not like very sick or anything like that, but nothing to be alarmed about. Okay. But yeah, as far as I know. But you know, Ryan, it's like you you're never really sure what's going on.
1: He doesn't give you full answers.
0: No, not really. If if he if he answers you at all, I, most of the time most of the time when I. Send him messages. I just don't hear a reply or like I get a reply like four days later.
1: Yes, that that does happen often.
0: So if you if you have the time, you can send him a tweet at my legs don't work and wish him uh, a speedy recovery from his ailments. Let's uh, dive into our review this week. Duck butter. Just saying it is. It makes me feel gross. Duck butter. It just sounds gross, right? It's just like, not not even knowing what duck butter is, it just sounds like something that would be gross. It does, yeah. So this is written and directed by Miguel Arteta. Aaliyah Shawcat also uh, co-wrote this. I have a synopsis here. Two women who are dissatisfied with the dishonesty they see in dating and relationships decide to make a pact and to spend 24 hours together, hoping to find a new way to create intimacy. What that doesn't, what the, that IMDb synopsis leaves out is that part of the pact is also them agreeing to have sex every hour on the hour for that 24 hours. Correct. So this star is Aaliyah Shulkat and uh, Leia Costa. Leia Costa? Uh May Whitman is in there, so you have two Arrested Development alums in there. Got the Duplass brothers making a little cameo along with Camille Nanjiani and Kate Berlant. Kevin, what oh, you yeah. think of Duck Butter?
1: Um, this is one of those instances where kind of like reading a little bit about like the behind the scenes. Of like how they made this movie and what went into it is far more interesting than the actual final product. So what I've what I have heard through I guess this was through a Q and A Q&A after the Tribeca screening is that the 24-hour section in this movie uh, they actually filmed for 24 hours and then oh. like halfway through they switched out the crew, but you know, the, the principal players and the director and stuff, they filmed for that entire chunk. Interesting. From the beginning that, which apparently took 27 hours. That's very and, interesting. And all the dialogue was improvised.
0: I I kind of got the sense which, that a lot of it was improvised. Uh, I, but Although I didn't know f- that for sure. But especially like once they get, you know, 17, 18 hours in and they just start acting like they're very sleep deprived. Yes, <laughs> just the stuff there's just the stuff that they say and the fact that their their emotions run so high at that time because that's that's what happens, you know, you get moody and emotional once once you go that long without sleep. So I mean like to me hearing about that <clears throat> and stuff is
1: far more interesting than what I actually saw. Because what I actually saw was like okay, it was fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> like was. I don't. To me, there's just not much much here. I did. I did. Uh, I found it interesting the whole the them agreeing to this 24 hour pack and the way that it kind of plays out is it it just kind of condenses a yeah. long term relationship into the, yeah, like that, 24 hours. Which that's is, yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna.
0: I was, I was going to bring that up exactly where this it's funny because it's, they, they are spending 24 hours together and what they go through is that of like a full on relationship. Like they have ups and downs and peaks and valleys and they get in fights and then they make up and it's like, it's an entire relationship condensed into one full day. but at the same time, once you kind of realize that, that that's
1: what's, what's happening, that's what they're doing. It, it just kind of hits a lot of the main or like familiar points in a relationship. So it kind of comes, becomes predictable at a point in time. Uh, except, except not except for the very end. That's the the poop (laughs) poop scene. (laughs) I didn't quite see that coming, but, uh, Yeah, and that that one didn't really work for me. And one of the main things that I had, and this is just a small nitpick, but like bare hands, the poop, right? Yeah. And at no point in time afterwards did she wash her hands. And she just left. So she's just like out and about with shit all over her hands, getting it all (laughs) over her bike handle bars. Everything she touches gets contaminated. If she goes to her pocket, it's now there's shit inside of her shorts pockets. Like it's everywhere.
0: And and that's definitely a smell that lingers too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't go away. Even after washing, a lot of times, that, that smell it lingers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know what the situation is with that. <laughs> yeah, she stink palmed herself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh, I like the movie. I completely agree with you that other than the, this it's sort of an interesting experiment. Uh, it, it doesn't really go beyond that. It's, there's a few interesting conversations to be had and some of the conflicts that the characters have with one another, you know, they, they were, they were good. They were interesting, but yeah, there's just there's not a whole lot here. Other than some great performances. I would say that Aaliyah Shalkat and like Costa did a fantastic job. And actually Aaliyah Shalkat won the uh she won best actress at Tribeca just this weekend for the, for her performance in this. Okay. So she's great in it. She is good and
1: yeah.
0: And I but, think yeah. I think she does uh
1: I think her performance does help out this film a lot. I don't know if it like if that performance wasn't there, I'm not sure you know right, how yeah, much I, enjoyment I, I would have gotten out of this.
0: I would say that this movie's like blue is the warmest color, but condensed down into a much more manageable one hour and thirty minutes. Like it, yeah. it pretty it pretty much ha- handles a lot of the same stuff that that movie does but for me this was actually slightly more entertaining maybe it didn't pack as big of an emotional punch as that film but it's just and i I mean this is a a personal thing for me
1: that didn't quite work out for me is the that uh that caveat of the pack where they have sex every hour on the hour like so, obviously, the film is interrupted constantly by them having sex. And just, I don't, it like, sex in movies, for me, I'm just.
0: did not do it for you?
1: I just, I'm just, it's just like nothing happening on the screen. For me. <laughs> like, it's not, <laughs> like, I don't, it's... you gain nothing from it. Like, it, I don't know. Like, to me, it's just pointless. So for me, it was just like every so often that would just, you know, a stretch of pointlessness. I'm just like, okay, we're going to take the sex break and we'll come back. I mean, I did enjoy the the, towards the end when she's like that part of the relationship is kind of taken condensed down where she's like, we haven't had sex for two and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought that that was funny. But again, it's just like... I don't know. Like every twenty minutes or so, it's like sex scene. It's like, all right, okay. I,
0: I, just do I not, might have...
1: just do nothing until we get back to yeah. like something of actual interest.
0: I just I imagine you watching a porno and just fast forwarding through the sex stuff to get to the in between like transition stuff. Here we go. <laughs> now let's see what this pizza guy is up to. <laughs> Uh I didn't I didn't I wasn't really bothered by the sex scenes. They were very frequent, of course, but I mean that's kind of how Yeah. That's that's what's happening and and I thought that they were varied enough in how they were shot that it didn't feel too tedious. I mean, I completely agree with you. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of sex scenes in this movie for sure and, and but but I don't think there's a way to avoid that considering no. the plot. I don't think
1: there is either. Um, but I don't know, just like for me, like in that instance of, of those scenes to me, like I just, I don't, I don't really gain anything from them.
0: You know, I, I completely understand. Yeah. I, you know? I, I completely understand. I mean, usually a, in a lot of movies, a sex scene is helps develop the relationship between two characters you know like it it shows like the strength and bond between two characters whereas in this movie y- you already have i mean after like the first three you're like okay they're i get it like they're they're in this part of the relationship but then again at least they don't show all 20 some <laughs> that, that they have that's
1: true I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess technically speaking, they didn't show all of them, which is
0: nice. And I don't know, like, as far as
1: bit tedious after a while,
0: I don't know what their parameters were for like saying, okay, we have achieved number 13 or 14. Like it, I I don't know if they set rules as to, okay, this constitutes us having sex, but this is, this is not really it. This is like kind of halfway because they, they mix it up. They do all kinds of stuff. And I don't know if if one thing means that it's a full-on success with the sex. Yeah. It's just, to me, it it ends up playing as, like, filler. Yeah, I mean, I would say yes, several, after, like I said, after, like, maybe three or four, after three or two, (laughs) after two times, it does, yeah, it starts to feel a little bit like filler a little bit. Except for like maybe after they have a one of their big arguments and then make up, then then maybe that is more understandable. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of sex scenes <laughs> in this movie. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I I thought it was fine. I didn't I didn't dislike it. Uh, it there were some funny parts. I laughed quite a few times if you asked me what those specific parts were, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I, I do remember laughing. They happen. I do remember laughing <laughs> they happen. They happen. Take his word for it. He totally laughed. I did. Numerous times throughout. I mean, it's like a, it's like a light recommend for me. I, I find with, with this director, I like pretty much all of the movies that I've seen from him. And I've seen pretty much all of his movies but you know several of the several of the things that he directed i feel the same way like chuck and buck and youth and revolt it's interesting. Like, yeah they, they were good but because for me his name sticks out so much like it's such a
1: recognizable name for me but in the same breath i can never remember a movie that he directed like yeah. if i see his name i'm like oh yeah that guy but then if i Press myself further to try and name a movie that he directed. I can't.
0: No, I just have to think of Mike White, and pretty much a lot of the Mike White stuff. It was with him. He did that. uh, He even did that show, that Enlightenment show, that was amazing and and canceled. I just saw that he did Cedar Rapids. Yeah, he did Cedar Rapids. (laughs) He, he also did the Alexander and the no good, no horrible, whatever, bad day. He did that too, which was a little bit of a departure from his yeah. other stuff. <laughs> I, know, I, noticed, just... I, I noticed that a lot of his movies have a little bit of a dark, they have a little bit of a dark streak through them, most of his comedies. Yeah. This one didn't didn't really have that. I mean, I guess you could say that like the poop, scene was it was funny but it was definitely i'd say a little bit darker maybe (laughs) definitely grosser yeah which was something like before that
1: happened i already i was already to the point where i was kind of um finished with sergio's character like like i think i was already fed up with her at that point and then that happened it was just like it was just she's so off-putting that it's yeah. just
0: like, huh. she's a little bit intense. I mean, right from the beginning, you know, she's definitely a, an intense character. She's a complex character. Whereas Leah Shawcat's character is more the kind of, she plays like the straight, the straight person, the straight man. And in, in that role where she's more so reacting to the crazy shit that Sergio does light recommend for me. That was okay. I don't know if there's a part of me that's um,
1: like maybe I'm being a little bit harsher on it than I need to be because I just, I felt as though it could have been so much better. Like there is, to me, there is far more potential there that they just didn't quite tap into. Yeah. It's just kind of really disappointing.
0: Yeah, uh, I felt the same way. I actually this week watched Beatrice at dinner because that was one of his that I missed from last year. So I I wanted to catch up with that one for when we talked about this movie today. Yeah. And um, I sort of felt the same way about that movie where it was a great idea. And for the most part, it was successful, but it was like he... It fell a little bit short, just... I. I felt like it could have been, they could have added more to it. It it could have there could have been more substance there, especially with the Beatrice at dinner because it was like an hour and twenty minutes long. Okay. Yeah, it's very. It was pretty short to begin with. I think I
1: think I just remembered, which also points to something because it happens early on. But the funniest thing in Duck Butter for me was, uh, her working on the Duplass Brothers movie with the onion rings. Oh, yeah. her insistence of working with these onion
0: rings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And then they fire her. They did. All right, so that's Duck Butter. Any final thoughts on this one before we give it a score? No. Okay. Uh, Let's see. I will give this one a 6 out of 10. I give it a 5. There you have it. This is playing now in limited release. Let's talk about someone watching. Uh, I think I will get Avengers: Infinity War out of the way oh, now, boy. since that's that's the big one, and and then we can talk about some other stuff. So this is the uh, the big culminating movie. This is the big one, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. Ten years they've been at this. Marvel. Marvel Studios. They've been around for 10 years. Can you believe that? It's like 19 movies or something?
1: You say that like it's kind of like you seem surprised, but it feels as though they've been around forever.
0: I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's been that long to me. So this is the big one. I thought it was alright. I'll get that out of the way. I didn't... I wasn't in love with this movie. It's it's an interesting kind of movie to to sort of critique because... It doesn't adhere to any type of structure, really. It's just one giant action set piece or like multiple set pieces happening concurrently. So the whole movie is just action scene. It just okay. goes from one action scene to the next action scene. There's no, there's no like wor- world, further world building or character development really in any way. It's just straight up action. Now, normally I'd probably have a problem with that, but the, just the simple fact that they have been planting the seeds for this and developing this story in the other Marvel movies up until this point, I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, but just the fact that, and I've complained about this before where, Marvel likes to make movies that are sort of like the carrot on the stick type things where they're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, you you just saw this, but just wait till this comes up. You know, like everything is leading to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel it, it almost feels like they're saying, oh, well, if you thought this was great, this is nothing like this is fucking garbage. Forget about this. Just wait for this thing. So it's sort of like. Feels like they're saying that what you just watching is not as good as the next thing that we're going to be putting out. So you always have this like perpetual feeling that this is never going to end, and that they're always just wanting you to watch the next thing. <laughs> it's called Infinity War, so and it's like, how many phases do they have to this?
1: Because I don't think they're going to stop ever. I think it's just going to I don't keep know. Going. This,
0: so this is the end of phase. Three, I think so they haven't announced the phase four lineup. So I think like technically they're still in phase three and I think maybe even the next Avengers because the next Avengers is going to be coming out a a year from now because they shot both. They shot both of them at the same time. So I think maybe after the next Avengers, that'll be the end of phase three. Cause I'm pretty sure there was actually just an interview with uh what's his name? Kevin Fe- Feige. Is that the guy's name? The Marvel guy, uh, who said that in a year they'll be announcing phase four. Okay. So anyway, this is the this is the big Thanos uh conflict here. And we have pretty much all of the main Marvel Cinematic Universe characters. You have your Doctor Stranges and your Iron Mans and your Captain Americas and even the Guardians of the Galaxy are in, in in this one, which is really cool because a lot of these characters are interacting for the first time in this movie. So you get to see, you know, Tony Stark interacting with um with Star Lord, you know, and Chris Pratt's character, and it makes for some really interesting action sequences. But really, that's all that's going on here. There's a big... You saw it in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. But there's like a big battle that occurs in Wakanda. So you have a little bit more of the uh, the whole Wakanda story uh, developing. But you know, for the most part, it's, uh, it's decent. I, I thought a lot of the action was good. I thought that the CG was egregious to say the least. Um, there's one bad guy character, like one of Thanos's henchmen. Uh, and she is entirely CG. Like they made her completely CG. And yet she's just a person with, with they, they could have done it with just made a per- put makeup on a person. But they okay. made her entirely CG. She looks like a human. She just has like her skin is just a different color.
1: So it's just and, 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 like, and yet some name?
0: for some reason they made her fully CG.
1: But isn't that what uh, Zoe the, Yeah, isn't she just like green? Like, couldn't they yeah. just do the same thing? Exactly.
0: Yeah, they. Could. <laughs> In fact, Zoe Saldana's makeup is more complicated and intricate because she has these like sort of silver like markings on her face so her her makeup is more complex and yet this this woman they just make her fully cg and it looks so bad like (laughs) you know it's one thing to have the hulk be cg like obviously the hulk's gonna be cg yeah you can't do much with that but she's just and she wasn't like huge or anything (laughs) she wasn't like a giant they just straight up made her CG. And it was it was bad looking. Like, it didn't look good. So, I would say that overuse of CG was a problem for me in this movie. But other than that, I did have fun with it. I had a good time with it. You know, I would probably give this, if I were to score it, I would give it like a six or six and a half. You know, yeah. some, something like that. Yeah. And, and just... It just does it irks me you know a lot of people right now are complaining about the ending and it did the ending did sort of irk me where it's it's a complete it's a complete non ending I'm not gonna say what happens or anything like that but it, it it doesn't it's like one of these deals where it just ends in like the middle of a scene sort of gotcha so there's like absolutely no resolution or anything like that and you know, whatever. And a lot, a lot of people... I don't know if people are... I haven't read too much about this as far as, like, spoiler talk. Um, but I'm sure that people are complaining about the various... Because people die in this. Characters characters are dead. And I'm sure that people are complaining about that. But I also wouldn't be so sure that some of these characters are gone completely. I have a feeling yeah. that a lot of them are going to be back. Yeah. So, anyway. Avengers Infinity War. Light Recommend. Uh, I mean, it already killed it at the box office. I was thinking a $250 million opening. I think it's that's maybe tied for first place opening weekend of all time. So it's obviously destroying.
1: Uh, I saw Martin Scorsese's The King of Comedy from 1982. Yeah, a little classic De Niro. Yeah, De Niro in a comedy role beside Jerry Lewis. Uh, this is this is currently playing on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, I do. I found it on there. Cue nice. it up, you can watch it. Um, it's okay. Like I had really high expectations going in because I've I've heard pretty much nothing but good things. That it was, like, it's just a, it's an underrated Scorsese classic. Like it's just incredible, and you know, De Niro gives this great performance. Which, I mean, for the most part he does he does give a pretty great performance um but I just found it to be and again this i think it a lot of it maybe comes down to just a personal preference because a lot of it is this um just people talking over each other like a lot, and uh De Niro's character, which obviously he's supposed to be this way he's just he's this like he's this pest he's just incessant trying to get um jerry lewis plays this like big time night uh talk show host and uh de niro's uh an aspiring comic and he wants to get on his show and but he doesn't really do stand-up comedy anywhere like he doesn't work at all he just wants to be on the show which obviously points to his like delusion and uh so, of course, that doesn't happen. And he keeps just showing up and expecting to get some FaceTime with Jerry Lewis. And once that doesn't happen, him and uh, Sandra Bernhardt kidnap Jerry Lewis and then hold him for ransom, which is to just get on the show, just to do a you know, stand up routine. That's it. Uh, but as great as some of the. the The pieces are to this a decent amount of it is just de niro just not shutting the fuck up Mm. and it's i'm sure obviously people love it and again it could just be me and i'm sure it is but after a while it's just really fucking annoying Mm. because it's either him not shutting the fuck up or him and various other people all talking at once and not shutting the fuck up which i can't stand i hate it but even considering that it's still pretty good it's definitely Mm -hmm. worth a look
0: all right that's the king of comedy i actually never saw that so definitely on my list of shame to be sure so i'll um We'll still go back and forth, but my next set of movies, in fact, all the rest of the movies that I'm going to talk about uh, were screening at Tribeca. So these are all movies that uh, Tribeca ends today as we're recording this. Um, and so these... Just keep a lookout for some of these. One one thing that I'll take away from Tribeca this year, not a great lineup. I was not really impressed with anything that I saw. Uh, so, some stuff was... Decent but one one thing that I will give a credit for is a lot of these movies had very interesting ideas and they played with a lot of really interesting ideas um, The first one I'll mention is uh, Seven stages to achieve eternal bliss by passing through the gateway chosen by the Holy Storch um, Yeah That's the that's the title <laughs> is that, here? that is the title Seven Stages to Achieve Eternal Bliss by Passing Through the Gateway Chosen by the Holy storge.
1: Okay. Uh, it's uh,
0: directed by v- uh, Vivenio uh, Cald- Caldinelli. And uh, the original title for this was Corpse Tub, which I thought was... <laughs> I think Corpse Tub is a way better title.
1: Yeah, it's usually that's... It seems like that's flipped around. It's usually like this... Uh, the movie starts out with that festival title and then gets whittled down to just a two, yeah. a two word title.
0: Corpse tub is better. So this stars Kate McCoochie and Sam Huntington uh, as this, this young couple who moved to LA and they get this, they get this great deal on an apartment. It's like prime location near public transportation rent is super low they think they, they got it made. And the first night that they're there, somebody breaks in and kills themselves in the, in their bathtub. And after they call the police, a detective comes to, you know, take the report and everything. And he's played by Dan Harmon and he's, he's fantastic in this. He's probably the funniest character in, in the whole movie. He, tells them that yeah the apartment that they're in is actually the former home base former headquarters of a suicide cult and that members will from time to time break in and kill themselves in the bathtub and that's just something that they have to deal with (laughs) and (laughs) so so right away I mean the premise is just rife for comedy you know like they have to, and so like they, Sam Huntington's character doesn't have a job yet. And Kate McCouchy's character is she, she's just starting out as a, as a, like a advertising, like a designer for this advertising firm. So they don't really have any money saved up yet. So they can't afford to move to another place. So they just decide well, we're just going to have to deal with it. So every couple of nights, somebody breaks in and kills themselves in their bathtub and they have to call the police and deal with it. And the the leader of the cult, Storch, is played by Taika Watiti. And, and he's he's hilarious in it as well. So, And then also all of the cult members, all the cultists are played by... Pretty big comedic actors. You have like Brian Posehn and Maria Bamford, and uh, a bunch of other great people. Mark <laughs> McKinney from Kids in the Hall, yeah, plays one of the cultists. Uh, so you have these like goofy characters breaking in, doing their weird ritual, and then ending and then, and then self murdering. And it's a great idea, I think, but unfortunately it's very poorly executed. A, a lot of the comedy just didn't really land for me. it's very weird as you might expect. Mm-hmm. but it's not really so. it's not really funny weird. there's like a lot of these kind of there's like animated sequences and these kind of like dream sequences that are really trippy but none of it really meshes. It just doesn't really come together. And I thought that it really kind of fell apart by the end. So you have like this couple and they're like, they want, they want to know what's going on. So they, they start to research the cult and they start reading the teachings of the Holy Storsh, And they actually start using his teachings and they discover like their lives are better. they like, their lives are getting better because of his teachings. So they sort of start following him and then and then they start helping the uh the people you know make their way into eternal bliss so i don't know it was all right but it it really wasn't great but man what a great idea <laughs> like i love the premise i really do but i just didn't think it, i didn't think they stuck the landing <clears throat> so eh. I could see this ending up on shutter Netflix for sure. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like
1: a, definitely sounds like an interesting watch.
0: It it has its moments. I mean, it, it, it's not all bad. It's there's, there are a lot of funny moments. Like I said, Dan Harmon is especially funny as the detective Cartwright. Cause he's trying to, he has a script for this cop movie that he's trying to sell and he's just so desperate. For people to read it and accept it. (laughs) He's really funny in it. I have one that's not... uh,
1: It's definitely not fun. It's a a Chinese documentary called Behemoth. This is from 2015. uh, Directed by Liang Chao. Which is currently playing on Mubi. I'm not sure how many days are left. Let's say like 16 days maybe. I don't know pulled that number out of my ass, but it seems right. Um, this is fairly straightforward. There's not a lot of uh, interaction <clears throat> from the from the filmmaker with with the subject. and the subject is uh, the workers of a, a coal mine. So it's really just camera on people working within this coal mine, um, various different jobs, you know. And there's this also kind of like juxtaposition because right by this massive... I mean, this fucking thing is huge. This massive coal mine is um, kind of this like lush green area uh, where I think it's in uh, Inner Mongolia. And then you have like this these families in the lush green area, like herding their sheep and everything. And then in the background is just this massive operation going on where it is just black and gray. And that's it. Except for some orange here and there from fire. And it's just, it's so bizarre to see, but, uh, it kind of goes through everything. It follows around a lot of the the workers working, like I said, various jobs. It also shows them occasionally coming home and kind of, uh, you know, getting themselves clean a little bit of their lives away from the coal mine, which are not that long. And uh, what it ends up, it shows all this labor that goes into this and the final product, what they're making, you know, steel and everything. And the way that it ends is it shows uh, like what most of this, of most of these materials are going towards which is building these these giant what are called ghost cities
0: oh yeah so this is it's interesting i was when i was in georgia i was actually talking to someone at the wedding about these ghost cities in china where they yeah build up all these like entire cities with these giant skyscrapers and stuff but there's no one to move in they just no. build them to to yeah. sort of falsely bloat their economic growth doing a
1: little bit of reading after because i watched this last night so a little bit reading into it um i guess there's there's supposed to be you know moving people from the rural areas into these cities but it kind of takes this this time of building the city up and then it takes about 10 years to get to actually like move people in there so for like this long stretch of time there's just there's no one there But they show, you know, there's still like, I'm not sure how many people, maybe like two or three that are like, their job is to walk around the ghost city and just pick up trash.
0: Yeah, it's really bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, they're like
1: keeping it like pristine clean for no
0: one. Yeah, uh, Vice made a documentary about, about these ghost cities that you can check out. It's pretty interesting.
1: Now it, this documentary, the the like the cinematography is just it's incredible. There's just some really remarkable shots in there. It's just kind of awe inspiring. Hmm. Definitely worth a look.
0: Yeah, I might have to check this out because that that's definitely a topic that interests me. Behemoth.
1: Yeah, and there's the, there's really no dialogue. I mean, there's a little bit of narration from the from the. I'm guessing from the filmmaker um, kind of like a, like a poetic narration type deal. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely worth a look.
0: All right. Uh, I saw a movie called Jonathan. This is directed by Bill Oliver stars Ansel Elgort. It's a light sci-fi movie. It's about uh, this guy who is, He has a twin brother who lives inside of his mind. So it's two brothers that share the same body. So when, so it's John and Jonathan. So Jonathan wakes up at 7 a.m. Every day does his morning routine, goes to work, comes home and he's in bed by 3 p.m. And then John wakes up, at 7pm and does his evening routine, goes to his job and then he's in bed by 4am uh, or no, sorry, 3am so that Jonathan can wake up at 7. Gotcha. Again, interesting premise. I, I like the idea of this where it's so they, when they were first born the the consciousnesses like the the two the two brothers were c- sort of constantly switching so they their doctors devised a, a way to their doctors played by patricia clarkson and she devised this device that sort of attaches to the like the back of their ear Um, or the back of their head behind their ear. And what it does is it it connects to their brain and it sort of switches them. So that's why you have this very sort of regimented schedule of when, when they switch, when their minds switch and really interesting idea, just how they each have their own separate lives. They, They have separate beds and obviously they live in the same apartment, but their lives are pretty separate and they, they both live very lonely lives, especially John who is, he's only up during the night. So he never gets to see the daylight ever. And he has a job as a security guard where, so he works alone and he's just a very lonely person. And he, his personality is very different than Jonathan's. He sort of craves social interaction and he, wants to be around other people. And he actually gets a girlfriend and that causes uh, a rift between the two of them and causes a lot of problems and things sort of escalate from there. And it, it goes to some really interesting places. It, it started losing me at, at one point. Uh, it started feeling a bit tedious, but then it it definitely recovers by the end. And I found I, I can totally understand. Like some people are probably going to find some of the elements of this to be kind of cheesy, but uh, I found it to be pretty touching, and I really enjoyed uh, how it ended. I thought it was uh, pretty, pretty effective. So, Jonathan, keep an eye out for that one.
1: All right.
0: Very light sci-fi. I will let you go with the, with your, uh, with your Another one. Okay. Uh, let's see. I will choose braid. So braid is a psychological horror movie directed by Mitzi Perone. Uh, it's about these, these two girls who are drug dealers and they're they're on the lam because they had this, this they got this massive amount of drugs and they were going to offload it for like 90 grand and the cops raided their apartment. So they had to go on the run and, And they owed all this money to this drug dealer guy. So they're like, shit, how can we get it? Oh, I know. They have this childhood friend who is insanely wealthy. And she lives in this, like, giant estate, huge house. And so they decide to go try to get the money from her. They know that there's a safe somewhere in the house, and they're going to try to steal the money. The problem is this girl is severely mentally deranged. And th- she insists that when you enter the house that you play this game with her, it's sort of like uh, like doctor, like you're playing this twisted game of doctor where the girl plays the mom. And then one of the, one of the drug dealers is the daughter. And then the other one is the doctor. And they're sort of forced into these, this like role play scenario that gets very twisted, very dark, very violent. And it sort of turns into this very surreal, almost drug trip movie. Cause at one point they take a bunch of drugs and it gets very bizarre. There's a lot of really interesting twists that happen. The cinematography in this movie is fantastic. Same with the uh, production design. Like, the the whole like estate that the movie takes place in is awesome and i think that the the cinematography i'm going to look up who does it just because i want to give them credit uh todd benazzi uh he did uh, the strange ones he was the cinematographer on that one okay it was uh it was great and the at one point when they after they take the drugs, everything sort of turns different colors. So everything is like like all the trees and their hair and like everything is like bright pink and purple and it just looks awesome. This movie looks gorgeous. Yeah Uh,
1: I'm looking at one like uh film still here and it kind of reminds me of oh I can't think of that uh that horror movie that used by the guy that did Ponty pool. Hellions, is that what it was oh, called? Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. It kind of like, it kind of has that look to it. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, the the film itself uh, is decent. It goes to some really it, it goes to some places that I definitely didn't expect, um, especially by the end. I I could see the ending maybe losing some people, but I thought it was pretty crazy, and uh, I enjoyed it so braid is definitely one one to look for it's it's definitely out there. I saw cargo this is gonna be on Netflix this is uh the only at least as of when I saw them this was the only one that's that's actually a Netflix original. I don't know if Netflix is gonna pick up any of the others uh, but this one was a Netflix original it's a it's a zombie movie that takes place in the Australian outback and it stars Martin Freeman uh, the so the hook of this one is that Martin Freeman is the father of an infant daughter and he gets bitten. So he gets infected and he has about 48 hours to try to get his daughter to safety, you know, before he turns. So the whole film is just him traveling the outback, trying to find somebody that can take in his daughter and keep her safe. And then getting away, you know, or ending his own life before he turns. Mm -hmm. I wasn't entirely sold on this one, but it, it, it goes to some really interesting places. And it's not your typical zombie movie. There's certainly scenes of peril involving zombies, but for the most part, it is it's more like a thriller since it's such a race against the clock, but there's also a lot of, of dramatic moments in it too. And it, it definitely packs an emotional punch. I, I will say that I was, I was surprised at how this movie made me feel Um, just because of his relationship with his daughter and just his unwavering dedication to, to protecting her. And then at one point he sort of befriends this, uh, Aboriginal girl and she she sort of helps him along the way and the two of them develop this friendship and it's uh it's a pretty powerful movie I, I will say I was I was very surprised with this one so I would I would recommend checking out Cargo. It's gonna be on Netflix I think May eighteenth, I wanna say so you can give it a look Uh, when it comes out, then see, I'll pick one more. The one I'll pick at random is, um, this, this, uh, French Canadian movie called slut in a good way. Uh, this one is a black and white coming of age comedy. It feels like it it actually feels very reminiscent of, um, ladybird in a lot of ways where it's this, this girl who she has a, a boyfriend and she has this sort of budding sexuality, but as it turns out, her boyfriend is gay. And he, when he tells her, she's just sort of, it just breaks her for a while. And she's, she doesn't know what to do. And she's just very upset. And then her and her two friends get a job. They get part-time jobs at this toy store. And this toy store is like nothing but hot young guys And she decides she's going to get back on the horse. She's going to go on the rebound and have some sexual encounters. And she ends up sleeping with the entire staff, the entire male staff of this toy store. And it, it goes to some interesting places. It's a very, it's, it's weird in that. And I don't know if it's like just this movie or if there is definitely, um, a difference between young people here and young people in, uh, I think it is in Quebec, but like none of them were like, there was drama obviously, but none of them were like malicious with anything. Like they all seemed like, like some of them seemed a little bit douchey. Like they were just trying to be players and whatever, but they all seemed like decent people. And like, none of them, really like posted stuff online or anything like that. And it's just like, man, I I can't imagine how people would react to this girl and what she did in the United States. Like she would, she would have to move. Like she would just get torn apart. She'd be like slut shamed, you know, but it's not, it's not really what happens in this movie. They just kind of accept it and, you know they they see it like like the gu- the guys recognize that they they're sleeping around too and it's just that's part of youth and all of that so it's it's definitely it, it has a really weird tone also for some reason I don't know if I'm gonna write a review for this one or not so I'm just gonna mention it here that they play Bollywood music all throughout this movie and in the end of the movie they have like a Bollywood dance number mm-hmm. and it does not fit. With the movie at all, like I, I couldn't wrap my head around why this music was playing, and why that they had the Bollywood thing at the end. Like I just, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> like what, what was the, what was the decision there? Why does this? It doesn't fit. It's this. It, this is like a black and white, modern day, coming of age comedy that takes place in Canada. I, I don't understand why. We have the Bollywood stuff in there. Just big fans of Bollywood. I'd say it's a light recommend for me, though. Uh, it's again, it's called "Slut" in a good way. Uh, keep a keep a lookout for that. I'm sure somebody will pick that up. It's it's, it's not too bad. It's pretty good. Uh, so you're watching Wild Wild Country. How far mm-hmm. are you into it? I think I'm like uh, kind of pacing them out. I think I'm into. Uh, uh,
1: like mid mid fourth episode. So, uh, pretty, uh, pretty fucking interesting. Yeah. There's, there's some things about it that I'm kind of disappointed in with the, the, the filmmakers. They kind of just gloss over stuff, which I, I don't, I understand like how, kind of how they're, they're structuring it, like to, to tell this story. But at the same time, there's there's some nice chunks of stuff that just completely leaves you in the dark, which just seems kind of to me seems like a know, missed opportunity. But yeah, and just kind of like incompetence, or it's just like I I know that you're probably like leaving that chunk out because it alludes to too much, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. So I, but, so it's it makes for a really compelling watch but at the same time it also seems extremely manipulative the way that it's set up
0: well yeah i I mean it it definitely is set up with the idea of an episodic documentary in mind where most of the episodes leave you with a big cliffhanger ending
1: well and that's why like i'm not because I'm not done, obviously, so I'm not, like, it's not a full-on criticism yet, because I'm like, okay, well, I'll give them the benefit of doubt, and maybe they'll come, you know, they'll swing, they'll circle back around and come back to it and give me some info. But, uh, we'll see. But, yeah, some of the, like, the, it's just, I don't think this is really too big of a spoiler, but the way that it was just handled, uh, like, how it just, like, comes about is like the whole nike thing
0: oh yeah <laughs> which,
1: which was just like oh you gotta be fucking kidding me yeah are you serious and that guy i guess i it's i think he's the the son right the the guy that wears the cowboy hat i don't
0: know if he's the son or the grandson of the i, I guess son yeah i, I think the he's the favorite. son yeah he's the son but he's. every time they
1: show him all i can think of is um
0: what is it, david 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 Kirchner? Kechner. Kechner. David Kechner. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) me too. (laughs) Yep, me too. I don't know,
1: just like, oh my God, that is, like, has David Kechner based his entire
0: career off of this guy?
1: Like, did he go to Oregon at one point in his life and he was like, you know what? That's that's who I'm going to be now, from now on.
0: Specifically his character in the Anchorman movies, because he's got, like, the cowboy hat and all that. Well, even the way the guy like the way his mouth moves when he talks. Well, that's the like big they, thing. That's that's the selling point is the kind of twisting like the jaw, like the twisting of the mouth. Yeah, like he's
1: chewing like he's chewing the words
0: as he's getting them out. Yeah. It's that's just a, so like it's so bizarre. That guy's uh that guy's a trip. But then everyone's again, a yeah. fucking trip. <laughs> and in, again, that every, movie. in that movie sort of everyone is
1: yeah there's i i did like the the first episode was, when they're talking to the the Rajneji, um uh attorney that guy the guy that kind of looks like Stephen King with a goatee at his house mm-hmm. um and they're like they're talking to him for the first time and he's kind of like talking about like their philosophy or whatever mm-hmm. and he tries to, to like make this profound statement where he like he says love and he does like this dramatic pause and it's really weird because right away you know what he's doing he's trying to add some weight to what he just said but the funny thing is is that he pauses for like it felt like eight minutes and like they just keep all of it in and i'm just like is he is this guy ever going to talk again Mm -hmm. like this is so bizarre That guy's a little,
0: he's a little intense. He he drank all of the Kool-Aid, that guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it is interesting the way that they set it up because they don't really get into like any like really bizarre stuff. Like everything at the beginning, it's just kind of like, okay, these guys are a little
0: bit odd. Yeah, it's like a hippie, but it's like a hippie commune. That's what it's like at the beginning. But they seem kind of, you know, you know, harmless. Well, that's that's sort of the and interesting then, thing about the whole documentary is that you are constantly, at least I was, going back and forth between whose side you were on because I feel like the town. They sort of act like assholes right out of the gate. Oh, they're awful. They're absolutely terrible. So you're constantly (laughs) jumping back and forth between whose side you're on.
1: Yeah. It's just that's what I'm saying. I think that there's there's some stuff that's left out in that. I think it was probably a little bit more clear cut because I, I think the way that they have it set up is they do... They do make them look very sympathetic where you're just kind of like oh man they're they, like it's kind of impressive what they did and they seem inoffensive and harmless like god these people are just so terrible yeah they're treating them like this and they kind of force their hand and this is the way they responded and it's like i think there's more going on here than than that
0: i don't know i just i, I it's a terribly interesting story that i just can't believe that I didn't know about this <laughs> no.
1: especially just all the stuff in it like like at first you're just like okay I can I can maybe see not knowing about this because it's kind of you know it's or it's kind of small but, but then like it keeps escalating and it's just like okay okay like no this should have de- I should have definitely known about this before 34 years old
0: yeah i mean plus like it was all over the news you know like johnny carson's doing bits about it and it's on inter- like everybody's talking about this it was on na- it's like a national news thing for like weeks and weeks and maybe even years that they were talking about this and it's like where where was i at why how did this somehow Cause you, cause you know about like other cults, right? Like there's yeah. other cults that you know about, obviously, oh, yeah. obviously like, you know, like the, the Jonestown thing is a, a diff, a different situation in why that was famous. But still, I guess, I guess probably if people, if people died, if, if there was like a mass suicide or something, then, then I'm sure we would know about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's really fascinating though. They're, they're uh, the Duplass brothers. Their, their next documentary is going to be coming out very soon on Netflix. It's going to be next month. It's another documentary series about like a, like a, like a bank heist or something. It looks really interesting. Uh So that's wild, wild country on Netflix. If you haven't, Given that a look, definitely do. Uh, I think you'll be you'll be very surprised. I pretty much like like right now. I
1: just want this podcast to be over. Like, if we (laughs) could just, if you could just do the rest of it without me, so I can watch that. That'd be great. Give Uh, me a solid.
0: Just hang tight. We're gonna move on. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's talk about what's coming up in theaters this week. Uh, We have Tully. Coming out, Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is the new um, Jason Reitman. Yeah, written by Diablo Cody. So, no, so there you go. You. I might give it a look. I mean, he wasn't that great to begin
1: with, but after Young Adult, you have Labor Day, which uh, that does. It. I still can't believe that's a real movie. And then the. Uh, that went men, women, and children, which is just supposed to be downright terrible.
0: Yeah. I don't know. No, thank you. Labor Day. Labor Day. <laughs> <Peach>. <laughs> uh yay, yay. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else we got here. Um got a film called Bad Samaritan. This is with uh David Tennant. Not very familiar with this. Looks like some kind of thriller, maybe. Uh, We have RBG. This is the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. Uh, I saw this at uh, Sundance. It's pretty good. If you're not familiar with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, maybe check it out. It's not nearly as dry or boring as what you might expect. Uh, one (laughs) One thing I liked about it was that it actually sort of dove into some of the landmark cases that she dealt with and got into detail with them. And so it's it's, uh, definitely worth a look. We also have the cleanse. This is one I'm, I'm very interested in. It's a written and directed by Bobby Miller. And it's a belt, a guy who goes to this like spiritual retreat for, for this cleanse and discovers that the, um, The toxins that are released from his body during this cleanse, uh, like form little monsters (laughs) like in, in the, in the real world. Okay. So yeah, I am interested in that. Seems very, very, very odd or maybe it's just (laughs) one, one specific monster. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to give that a look. Overboard. This is the remake of Overboard, I'm starring Anna Faris. <laughs> Thank God, finally! Finally, an Overboard remake. We all needed it. We we were we were all clamoring for this Overboard remake. Just watch the original.
1: I don't. It doesn't make sense I to hate, me. I
0: did not like the original, uh, but whatever. Maybe this one will be worth worth some laughs. Who knows? Altered Perception, The Guardians, Racer and the Jailbird. These are all movies that I'm not really familiar with. Strangers on the Earth, The Desert Bride, Alex and the List. Uh, that's pretty much it. So really not a whole lot. Angels Wear White also comes out. Not a whole lot going on this week. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let's see if VOD fares any better. My suspicion is no on May 1st we have cartel 2045 that's uh, some action movie with uh, Danny Trejo I believe dead list acorn in the firestorm that's a documentary about acorn if you remember those 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 guys yeah most likely to murder it's a like a dark comedy with Adam Pally looks pretty bad um let's see I have duck butter coming out on May first. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's what the calendar says. Okay. Uh, let's see. Perfect. It's a documentary about synchronized swimming, I think. Ooh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh then a movie then a horror movie called Gehenna Where Death Lives. Not okay. sure about the movie, but the poster's very creepy. Uh, and that's it for VOD Blu-ray. This is for May first. We got Blood Hook from 1986 coming out. Oh, hell yeah, Blood Hook. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you. You got to see this cover. I mean, what Vinegar Syndrome's putting this out? What a cover. Fishing was never like this. I might have to give this a look. Just for that cover alone. Looks, I love It's insane. The synopsis is the best because it's,
1: it's pretty, uh, during a local fishing contest, people are being mysteriously dragged into the lake and killed by a giant fish hook. And this is my favorite part. The next sentence yeah, yeah, is, yeah. after a sufficient number of deaths, the killer is finally
0: <laughs> <laughs> After it gets to a good amount,
1: then we <laughs> then the killer is revealed. Once we hit our quota, then we let you know who's been doing
0: yeah, uh, Vinegar Syndrome is also putting out Blue Vengeance from 1989. I, I I'm keeping my eye on Vinegar Syndrome. They used to put out some like just really kind of obscure, off the wall stuff, and their 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 DVD and Blu-ray releases were like eh. They're like all right, but I feel like they've really been upping their game as of late. So I'm I'm just gonna start keeping my eye on on Vinegar Syndrome. and They still have that streaming service. Available exploitation. TV. All right, Mary and the Witch's Flower comes out. Uh, Japanese animated film. Twelve strong. That's the one with the horse with the super long name, the s- horse riders or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. A new Tremors movie comes out. Tremors: A Cold Day in Hell. Hell yeah! Totally was not aware that they made a new Tremors movie. Got Jamie Kennedy. Oh, of course uh Michael Gross is in it. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy was in the Last Tremors movie as well. Hell yeah, which was really bad. You know, there's there's going to be that Tremors TV series on Sci-Fi and it was going to be starring Kevin Kevin Bacon. He was coming back. They did mm-hmm. a pot pi- they did a pilot for it, but it was canceled. What? Yeah, Are just this, just this week they announced that. Huge bummer cuz that that sounded promising. Uh, Winchester's coming out. That's the horror movie with Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. Got a little gothic horror action. Peter Rabbit's coming out. Uh, uh, not not buying that one. In the no. Fade <laughs> comes out. That's a thriller with Diane Kruger. Please Stand By. That's the one with uh, Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Doesn't look very good. Kaleidoscope coming out. It's one with Toby Jones thriller. Uh, a movie called Nostalgia is coming out. It looks like with John Hamm and Catherine Keener and Ellen Burstyn. Not sure what that's all about. I never even heard of that. Uh, Desolation from last year's being a Blu-ray release. Not a very. It's got a great cover, but the movie itself is pretty pretty piss poor. Mm-mm-mm. And that's pretty much it. Anything on Criterion this week? Nothing for this week. Nothing. Nada. Nothing at not. all. All right. In that case, I think that's going to close out the show. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, and at filmpulsekevin. Give a minute. Take a look at our Patreon page, slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Ray my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.